Hello and welcome back to General Chat. This first episode of 2019 features the marvelous Galactic Jonah. His work, along with a few others, was featured in the Adventure Zone comic book, and he will be a featured artist in the Critical Role art show, The Art of Alexandria. In this interview, we discuss feeling like your art doesn't matter, entitled fandom, and the mysteries of the universe seen through Jonah's mysterious D&D experience. This episode holds so much wisdom and excellent art advice, it's a perfect way to kickstart the new year. Let's get into it. Well, thank you, Jonah, so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. It's an honor to be here, and I'll hopefully not make a complete fool out of myself, but I'll do my best. Well, I know you primarily from the Critical Role community and your art that you've made therein. That's how I originally found you. That's kind of my thing at the moment, isn't it? <laughs> the brand. <laughs> how did you end up getting into into D&D and or Critical Role? So, um I got into it uh, at the very, very beginning. I think it all comes down to uh, another podcast that I started with, um, The Adventure Zone. It is also quite popular and known. And I don't even remember how I stumbled about it. I think it was also just based on seeing cool fan art around and not really understanding what it was. And... Uh, I decided to check it out, and then it was just this huge slippery slope uh, with actual play podcasts and podcasts overall, and uh, it got like really, really hooked on it. And until then, I'd never really had any exposure to D and D in itself. Like I, I was aware that it was a thing that existed, but I never really spent a thought about it. Um, yeah, that, that podcast was something very, very special. And my first kind of real interaction with D&D and with fandom and with creators of the thing I was fan of because, uh, it so happened that I got invited to create a fan art piece for the graphic novel that they released at the end of the first, uh, arc. And that was already such a such a strange kind of uh, chain of events. And from there on, uh, when the first arc ended, um, it kind of lined up that the f- second season of Critical Role started up. And since the first season has this huge backlog of episodes, I've always been kind of intimidated when hearing about it. So when the f- second season came around, I was like, huh, okay. Now it's the time, I suppose, and I kind of dipped my toe in, and well, there I was, completely obsessed within the first episode. It was, it was like whiplash, really, this whole thing. And I, I remember immediately running to my best friend and being like, "You have to listen to this. I need to talk to people about this thing that is so good." And I it was super annoying for like three weeks so and now everybody around me is obsessed too so I got my goal and now I'm happy (laughs) so it's really interesting that 
you mentioned, you know, starting the second season of Critical Role and then going back to listen to the first because that's exactly what I did. <laughs> and I am, uh, I'm almost done. Like, I unfortunately, I can only listen like during my commute and then partially during work. Um, so, you know, four hour episodes, oh, 150 yeah. episodes, it's a lot of, a lot of time. Yeah, yeah. I'm on episode 111, and I'm just like, I'm not ready for the end, because I already know a lot of things that happen just due to being in the community, Mm. but I'm just like, on one hand, I'm ready to be over with it so that I can catch up on the current series, and on the other hand, I'm not ready for it to end and my relationship with those characters to end. How did you feel as you were approaching the end of the first uh, series for Critical Role? Oh, that was, it was heavier. I am overall a person who struggles with things ending. Um, I've had several books where I stopped short um, before the ending because I just couldn't take it. I'm I'm that much of an emotional person. No, but um, I, I listened to the entirety of the first season in about one and a half months. Uh, because I was during that time I was doing an extremely bothersome and tiring internship where I was luckily able to listen almost 24 seven. Um, so that was keeping me alive during that time. And so when I was approaching the end, it was very, very heavy and surreal in a way because I cramped so much of of this show and of these characters and of this story into such a small amount of time. I I woke up in the morning and listened to it, and I went to bed listening to it. And then the thought of it ending, I I think if I didn't have the second season um, at that time, I... I would have been so, so, so heartbroken, even more than it was uh, by default. Um, but luckily, the the second season was there to catch some of that emotion. But it was it was very hard. It was very hard. And I can't even begin to imagine how hard it was for the cast themselves um, to deal with it after such a long time. And I mean, the ending was, was worth it. It's, I'm not going to spoil you, of course, but it's perfect, in my opinion. A perfect ending to a very, very intense, beautiful story. So yeah, I was sad and happy at the same time. You're in for something, I, I for sure. You're, you're in for it. The big, the big cry, the big emotion. It's, it's, yeah, it's something. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I know that I'm going to cry, but I, I'm, I'm ready and it's so funny, I'm the same type of person where I will do that with books and, and shows and I'm nearing towards the end and I am just keep being like, you have to finish it. You need to know how it goes. Like yes. Postponing it is not going to make it go away, you know. Um, I would like to take a step back, remove ourselves from critical role land for a moment. Impossible. No, but please go ahead. (laughs) Well, I'm curious uh, what your early experiences with fandom were, because I know for myself, 
I've I've been passionate about one thing or the other throughout my life. There hasn't been a point where I haven't been like, oh my God, this thing is awesome. I need to tell all my friends about it and we all need to experience this thing together. I'm curious what your early life experiences with with those are. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say comparatively, I'm... I was a late bloomer when it came to fandom. Uh, I started my creative process mostly with uh, my own original uh, creations and my own stories. I was very invested in like uh, written RPG with um, just a few close friends. And I think the first big fandom moment that you would well call a fandom thing so with like buying things and cosplay and going to conventions and all this madness around it I think that was for me one piece so I I have my start kind of in that corner of media and I I think I was 16 17 when that really hit me before that i've i've been i've liked things but i've haven't been uh, a fan per se before that um that one really really hit hard with buying the manga buying figurines and cosplay as well and drawing fan art and uh sharing it with like a small circle of friends but i've never uh back then it wasn't this this huge community thing yet for me. It was more me, my friends, and my obsession. So a, a smaller kind of stage of a fandom experience. Um, but I think that's that's where it started ultimately. Yeah, and I still own. I still have the manga in my shelf. They're still hanging out, and sometimes I pick them up and read some and look at the art still. And so it's it's still kind of nostalgic and dear to me even now. There's a lot of overlap between anime fans, D&D fans, gamer nerds. I feel like we come into this big nerdy community and it's very easy to be like, oh, I really love this thing and you love this thing and we should get together and do something together. And I feel like That is such a beautiful thing. I think that's the beauty of conventions, right? It just feels like a big hug of just like, yeah, the things you like are valid. Yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely the case. Um, Conventions have always been very, very overwhelming. And I've always visited them in cosplay. So the community feeling is, is just off the records in there because you... If you find another fan, you know, because they're dressed as a character from the series, so you're just like, hey! And you immediately have a baseline to approach each other and talk and, and make new friends. And it's it's a, a very, very um, special and unique experience, in my opinion, that nothing else really uh, matches in a way, it's it's unique, absolutely, in in how it feels and um, 
I, I have stopped going for a while because it was, uh, it, they're very tiring. They're very, very intense, but I've had two amazing experiences uh, this year and last year at MCM London, where I brought uh, myself to finally go again. And it was just as magical as the very first time. I can understand conventions being completely overwhelming, especially if you, like myself, deal with becoming overwhelmed by like sensory things. Oh yeah. So there's so there's so many just people and sounds around that like I feel like I can't stop just like hearing everyone talking around me. So I feel like finding your community within that and having spaces that you can go and just like kind of like be with your people as it were and kind of just take time to get to know them is a really precious thing yeah it's 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 very beautiful and like you said the sensory overload is uh, yeah it's it can be a lot there's so many people and so many just noise and impressions but uh, in the end for me it was always worth it and for for me, it was important to have like a, a small group of people with me, just like one or two friends, and uh, to to stick to and hold on to <laughs> in this ocean of of sensory overload. But um, I found that I've missed it returning to conventions this and last year. That I, I've really missed the experience. Has the experience changed for you since becoming so involved in the Critical Role fandom? Not only just your personal feelings towards that those group of people that create that content, but also the community surrounding it and their feelings about you having seen your beautiful art. Um, I can definitely say yes. Um, this October, I was... Um, visiting MCM London because the Critical Role cast was present uh, for the first time in Europe. So <laughs> basically the entire community of Europe showed up to this convention and I am to this day reeling from this experience. Um, <laughs> it, <laughs> I, I have no, no words. It's very hard to describe. There were so many critters, so many cosplayers. Like, you could turn around and you would walk five steps and then you would meet other fans. Um, and it was very unreal for me personally because I had posted uh, one or two pictures of my cosplay uh, just to say, oh, I'm going to be there and maybe someone wants to say hi. And I didn't really think about it because I've always done that and but now <laughs> with the amount of followers and and people that are aware of me I didn't expect it to be different and boy was I wrong I I barely had the chance to see anything in this convention I, I literally me and my friend we would walk 10 paces and we would be stopped by people wanting to talk to us, wanting to 
share their love and share their joy and take pictures and <laughs> it was it was like a fever dream really i i couldn't believe what was happening and there were some one or two people who who told me that they came out there because of critical role and because of me because they knew i would be there and i still feel that's fake i i can't i can't physically believe <laughs> that that happened um so yeah that was unbelievable and very 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 different to my usual experiences with conventions uh yeah i i'm overwhelmed still <laughs> <laughs> How do you think the response to your art and your cosplay has influenced your perception of the community and the content around Critical Role in general? I, I feel that it made me realize how much of a true community it is. I, before that, I, I didn't have, I, I couldn't really grasp the concept of it. Like with, with Adventure Zone, the thing I was into before, um, it was already very social and very involved. But I'm, I'm sitting here at my computer and I draw and I post the thing and I read the comments and I answer. But I'm here in my room and I see people respond. But going to this convention and meeting people face to face and seeing people uh, overwhelmed and laughing and crying after meeting the cast and after meeting each other and, and people, everybody, literally like every single person I have met, they brought along presents and little just little trinkets to exchange and share like stickers and sweets and everybody was so un incredibly lovely and it made it made it so much more real to myself um like it was for the first time not me behind my screen but being face to face with other real human beings and after that it, it feels much more like a reality. And when people reach out to me and talk to me and when I see others creative and, and happy and just invested, it's, it's a reality. And that has made it much more meaningful to me in a way. It was very meaningful before, but now I, I have a concept of just the, the community in real life and knowing that everybody who puts themselves out there with cosplay and, and god people write songs and make animations and they do the craziest stuff and it's just so cool and so impressive and it makes me so happy to be a part of it all and what was very unreal as well was to see um the cast of critical role meet them and see that they're one-to-one -one exactly how they are on screen with each other and it, it makes it so much more special and yeah I, 
it sounds cheesy as hell, what can I say? But I, I've been changed. I've, I'm a changed man after this crazy, crazy two days in London. You know, having that experience of people coming up to you and, you know, being all emotional, I think is kind of a mirror of the reactions that a lot of people have to your art. I think that you've had a number of pieces that have really elicited an emotional response especially when you do introspective pieces. You've done a couple comic style pieces talking about your relationship to Critical Role and starting getting into D&D and finding that community. And I think that reached a lot of people. How do you feel when something you make elicits an emotional reaction like that? With with that comic you mentioned in um, just now, that was that was very intense for me because uh like you said it's very it was a very introspective piece and i've i've done a few of those and they're they're quite personal like very in a way and to have people react to that specifically is a, a very overwhelming experience um I, I I tend to do like emotional and like kind of sad fan art quite often, so I'm used to people having like emotional reactions. But when it's about something that is about my own emotions and my own experience, it's the reactions are very personal. So when I see that it speaks to other people and a lot of a lot of people have shared their own uh, stories, how they got into D&D and how much it meant to them and uh, how much it helped them. And just having that kind of connection and just being able to to read all of that is it's a lot and it's it's beautiful and it makes me very very happy every time that happens um because i never really make those things with with a goal in mind of oh i'm i'm gonna gonna make relatable art now but it when it when it happens it's it's always a big surprise to me and it, it doesn't get old really it's it's always beautiful and, and a lot to deal with and um yeah that, that that comic went around and people shared it and talked about it and even though i hadn't intended for it to be anything other than just oh let me put my thoughts on paper uh because i i try often to just put my emotions somewhere and other than writing a diary I, that's just how i how i deal with things and seeing people react to that so intensely is it's a lot and it's it's overwhelming yeah one of the core beliefs that i've gained through doing this show is that the thing that connects us you know through passion through fandom through you know community is the basic desire to want to see and be seen by other people to be acknowledged to be validated that's why we share 
oh my God, I loved this comic so much. It's so relatable because people feel like they, a part of themselves was spoken to. Mm-hmm. Did that make you feel like you were seen? Oh, absolutely. It's, it's, uh, with, with a comic when it's like a personal message as well, it's very much a, a, a being seen experience. Um, and just is much more a sense of also like being understood and it makes me happy because then it, it, it's just uh, a feeling of, of not being alone in your thoughts or, or in your experiences and then seeing all those people who echo my own um, emotions like this, it's, it's very, very heartwarming and very beautiful in a way. And I'm, I'm happy uh, that I can experience something like that because uh, when I started posting my art online, ages ago it feels like i i never really thought about having impact or or like having a message or well having having any kind of meaning in a way it was just like a a way to well put my art somewhere and now nowadays it's it's way more about um what can I do? Um, what will my art do when I post it? What kind of impact will I have? What? How will people react to it? And you can never, never anticipate what the reaction is. And that's still wild to me to this day after posting online for so many years. Um, and it's... it's beautiful and it can be frightening as an artist at many many times before I've been frightened by by this whole process but it's at this point I've found my peace with it and I'm I'm happy I'm happy to to do it well you've had had quite a big reaction to a lot of your a lot of your pieces I think a lot of the community really enjoys what you make um, but you weren't always making these particular pieces or making this particular art, you know, you had to start somewhere. And when you started to where you are now, would you say, um, I always see this advice, you know, post consistently, don't wait for something to be perfect. Don't wait for something to be done 100%. Nothing's ever going to be perfect. Mm. Post consistently. Do you feel like that's applicable to the to fan arts to fan communities? I think in this particular space, um, it's it's quite special with Critical Role because it's a weekly thing, right? So a lot of people um, have started to feel pressure because a lot including myself a lot of artists are very quick i mean there's people who are insanely fast with how they work and it's just uh, often a question of style also like if, if people post sketches or are just quick painters they will post uh, art within mere hours of the episode being live 
and others are just slower working by default. But um, in this environment, the post consistently thing has definitely uh, a big, big place just because of the nature of the show. And I personally, speaking from my experience, have profited, profited of it because um, I personally work, like I said, rather quick and uh, always have. But uh, like I said, I am a rather quick artist. Like my process is, is messy in a way. I'm a painter, so I don't spend much time on, on certain things like line art. And for me, this weekly schedule has pushed me to create bigger pieces in much faster pace. And for me, that's ha that's been a good experience. I've made uh, a great deal of... I I've improved a lot over this time since February where I got into Critical Role. And I like doing it this way. I like having like a weekly routine of posting something and I, I think for some people it has become quite stressful and the pressure is a lot and I, I get that and on that end it's just important to understand that we're first of all we're just people we're not robots so if you can't produce weekly or daily even my god that's okay and it's okay to take your time off and take time to yourself and uh the community and, and followers understand i mean it's it's just natural so um to post consistently is is helpful but it, if it's not possible i definitely recommend to try and not drive yourself crazy about it because as artists we got ourselves we got our health and if if that goes down the drain then there's nothing left so we definitely got to take care of ourselves that's first things first Jonah do you have any opinions on folks out there who feel like perhaps their art's not being seen because it's quite a saturated community. I think that it can be easy for someone who's putting art out there and, you know, they've put their heart and soul into this. This is a, a, a show that they love, a fandom that they're a part of, a community that they're in, and maybe they don't get the response that they wanted. Mm-hmm. How, do you, how do you deal with that? Or what do you have to say to those people? So it's, on that topic, it's always easier said than done, is the baseline of any answer to this question, I think. Um, I've been at that point where I felt that no matter what I did, it didn't really matter, and that people didn't care about what I did, and it was an incredible, incredibly hard time for me personally because the thing that artists share is that well i i'd say that 99 percent of us take art extremely personally it's a very very deep passion 
of all of us. So when you post and expect a certain thing um, and it doesn't happen, that can be extremely, extremely hard. Um, what I found for myself is um, it's the most important thing to realize that your own emotions towards your art are always the most important thing there is. So if you are proud of what you did and proud of a piece uh, that you've created and you post it and the reactions are not what you expected, that doesn't take away anything of the pride you should feel. It doesn't take away anything of the quality of your work. It doesn't take away anything of the hard, hard work you put into it. And that's, I feel like, the most important part that you need to remember. Um, secondly, I found it very beneficial for myself to have peers and close artistic friends that I can exchange my art with uh, before throwing it out there into the internet void. So if you have uh, a community at hand, like a smaller version of this, this scary, spooky internet out there, so maybe like an artist Discord channel or just a friend group or people that you know that are also artists, it can be very, very good to share your art with them first. Um, it, I found that it's easier after that to deal with whatever comes next. But if, if people you value and people you, you like, um, can give you, uh, can give you critique or can give you praise for what you did or, or just like make you feel seen. Uh, that can already relieve a lot of that pressure and that negative emotion that can happen. So thank you for that response, Jenna. I think that was very lovely, and I think folks will like to hear that because I think I think it's very important to to remember that your your sense of self worth is not tied to uh, reactions to what you make. Like you still put in all the hard work to create something from your brain. You thought of a thing and then you made your hands do a thing to create a wonderful piece of art and you still did that and that's still wonderful regardless of the response to it. And I think that can be very hard to remember. I struggle with that. I think everybody struggles with that. But, yes. you know, you're still a, a person with worth who's Absolutely. made something beautiful. I think it's just with with being artistic uh you can't get around being also super super hard on yourself i think that's mm. i i've no i know not a single artist that doesn't have that problem so naturally it comes down to measuring yourself in some shape or form and all we can do is, is try our very, very best to stay centered on ourselves and on close people. And I have it to this day that I slip up and feel like, but what's the problem? I worked so hard on this and why does no one understand or, or but it, it doesn't, it, 
it doesn't take away from what I did. And there's people who like like the thing that I did. And if it's if it's just two comments instead of three hundred, then who cares? Two people liked it, so it's it's perfectly fine. And I think it's it's part of of growing up uh, as so in such a visible kind of time when everybody can post online and everybody is out there trying to to be seen and it gets very overwhelming very easily and I, I found that it's best to try and just stay centered on yourself and create what you want to create and try your best and see where this goes and that's all we can do really a very good skill to learn and I haven't learned it yet so you know once I figure it out I'll let you know how how to do it but I think that we we got to find a way to 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 not depend on like external validation because I th- I think that can be hard sometimes absolutely you just got to find that that resilience within yourself to be like okay yes I am an I am an okay human being. I'm functioning. I'm all right. I'm doing okay because I can think I can see you know wanting to to be reassured that you know what you're doing is good and you're doing a good job being an adult. But I think that um, <laughs> that you know no matter how much how much uh, people say it, I think that that's something that you have to find for yourself. It's like. Again, let me know when that happens. Oh, absolutely. Ring me up. Um, (laughs) That's like, I mean, it it helps to hear from other people that they struggle with the same thing. Mm. I mean, coming from Critical Role again, uh, our beautiful, glorious Matthew Mercer himself, who is in many people's eyes one of the most fantastic creators we have around struggles with this on a daily basis he talks a lot about it he he has expressed those feelings on many many occasions and keeping that in mind that it doesn't matter what kind of number is attached to your damn profile whatever you are it, it, it keeps being the same thing over and over and over and the sooner we learn to let go the easier it will get and again easier said than done as always it's mystery of the universe as far as i'm concerned but <laughs> yeah we can we can try our best and keep in mind that other people are going through the exact same nonsense well speaking of mysteries of the universe Anyone who's oh, yes. visited, anyone who's visited your Twitter page has seen your mysterious hooded figure, <laughs> your uh, your avatar, your galactic face mm. for your galactic Jonah. <laughs> <laughs> Where did that character come from? That's a good question. It started kind of as a simple OC, um, or basically my very first D&D character that I created ever. And 
I, I only played him once in my very first game, um, where I was thrown into the coldest water possible, uh, being a level 12 sorcerer with no <laughs> previous game experience at all. It was horrifying. Um, but anyways, he, um, he kind of stuck around and kind of merged into this kind of persona thing. Um, and I think most of the time it's just uh, me being more comfortable with putting my art out there than myself. I, I'm a very private person um, in, in many shapes and forms. So uh, it kind of is kind of an illustration for that trait of mine that I like being out there, but not really. <laughs> and it, it's strange. I'm, I'm social. I'm, I'm, I like people. I like talking to a lot of people, but I'm not generally something as someone who uh, is comfortable with my presence being super attached to what I do. So this podcast right now is quite strange for myself because it's like, oh, I'm talking about myself and I don't know, is that interesting? Is that any good? So I guess we, we're returning to the sentiment before, from before with being insecure and, and having having these problems but um I, I feel better with with this kind of persona attached to me so um with with no face or head visible and just kind of this this mystery going on it's i don't know <laughs> it's it's cheesy as hell but no I, <laughs> I i've grown attached to him as as an icon so i keep using it and people have started like connecting me with it in a way i i've had followers of me tag me in art that resembles him and just like saying oh here's jonah and it's it's very it's very unreal somehow but yeah i think it's actually kind of interesting because it's like it's this this the depths of the universe you know that corny like oh your eyes are like stars with galaxies in them, <laughs> but it's like, <laughs> but it's like instead, it's like this mysterious figure that's just like you don't know what's behind it. Yeah, your entire face mm-hmm. is kind of made of stars. What's up with that? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I don't know. His his whole deal is just that he has no head. Like actually, there's there's no head beneath the hood. Um, I don't know. I. <laughs> it's all very it's dandy it's strange nothing makes any sense um but he's likely to stick around i suppose <laughs> dandy it's magic yo it, it is it is <laughs> absolutely so can you tell me a bit more about this being thrown into dandy and your experience with the game since you've been introduced to it absolutely um I mentioned my first game before, and that was, um, I think, almost perfectly a year ago. Um, I kind of stumbled into it after after being so much into the Adventure Zone. I, I felt this incredible urge to play, but I didn't really know where to start. Um, 
Switzerland is very, very small and uh, a lot of like nerd stuff and like just weird kind of cultural things are hard to find if you are not already plugged into them. Um, again, as mentioned, I'm a very private person, so I often don't really know where to start something that is incredibly social. And one might argue that D&D is the most social you could <laughs> you could ever be. So um, I found uh, a D&D group on Facebook where people were like exchanging contacts and stuff. And I just uh, made a post in there uh, asking if someone would be willing to maybe just let me guest in a game or just let me play my first session um, just to try it out and this incredible incredible kind DM answered me and offered me to let me guest in his campaign and he invited me over um, before we even played to create my character and explain some stuff with uh, explain some stuff to me and of course, because uh, I'm dumb and <laughs> ambitious, I immediately started out uh, with a magic user, which everybody knows is the worst choice if you don't know what you're doing. And, <laughs> <laughs> and of course, um, because I was a guest player in another campaign, they were already high level. So I started out at level 12. So I had this full blast of spells to... Uh, look through and pick out and items and it was it was so much it was so so much um but in the end playing was absolutely fantastic and i had a great time even though i, I remember uh, i was physically shaking at the table i was so incredibly scared and nervous i knew no one at the table i had no idea what i was doing um, and it was terrifying, but it ended up being so, so good. Um, after that, I went to, um, one or two, like, small roleplay conventions and meetups where I played, um, one-shots, um, some different systems as well, but, uh, D&D never quite left my heart. It's my favorite system still. And at some point, I decided that I would really like to play seriously. Um, but at the time, I didn't have any clue how to do that because I didn't really have enough friends to do so. And well, around that time, I started with Critical Role and I was so impressed and amazed by what Matt was doing on the show, I just felt a crazy need to attempt the same thing. <laughs> um, so I foolishly decided, okay, if I want a game, I will have to make the game. And I decided to be the DM. And I hooked up some of my friends, and now we have a campaign. Uh, and it's it's very interesting. We have players in, uh, oh my god, four different countries. Um, 
we have people who speak French, we have people who speak Polish, we have two British folks. Um, it's this very multiculty kind of thing. And we play online uh, as often as possible. And it's it's been great. It's It's been really fantastic so far. And I'm having a blast uh, sending those people through chaos. <laughs> that sounds really lovely. Uh, the chaos bit. Hmm. But the way that you got into it and the fact that you've decided, well, I didn't have the community that I, w I didn't have a group that I could play with particularly, so I just decided that I would make one. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> I, th I figured and I, I realized that's the easiest thing to do almost. If you, I, I, I've had a lot of people, I've seen a lot of people who, who are like, oh, I'd like to play, but I don't know how. And there's a ton of people online who are very, very willing to join a campaign and online gaming is is definitely a viable option in cases like this one uh playing at the table is fantastic of course but if it's not possible uh then it's just as fun to gather your friends from all over the globe and do it just via voice chat and i, I found that it's just really really great um well often it's the case if you want a game you gotta make it and be the dm <laughs> that's kind of a thing that i've realized um but i personally i recommend it i recommend it to anybody um it's terrifying but it's so much fun it's so good it's interesting. It's this this game, this thing, this this mode of storytelling that brings folks that perhaps wouldn't really usually be so outgoing mm -hmm. to get together in a group of people and do a thing weekly. I wonder what it is about the game that pulls folks that would typically be very introverted together. Well, I think it's it's different. It's several things playing together. For once, it's um, it, it plays into one of our most basic human interests, which is playing pretend. Because I, you can you can sit anyone at the table, and it will take them a few minutes, maybe maybe a longer but everybody will sooner or later slip into this fun and this this joy of being something you are usually not and i i found that anybody will find their their joy in that in different ways there's different kinds of players always of course but um there's just something fascinating about um, being someone else for, for a little while. And then also with D&D, I feel like it's just that anything is possible. You can, you can do whatever you want to do. Um, 
and that is at first maybe a, a bit much to deal with if if people who are usually um playing video games for instance where by now we have a lot of games that give you choices but even those are limited of course because otherwise that i mean sign me up but that would be <laughs> intense um but to have literally the whole world at your fingertips at any given moment and uh, it's so freeing and so so amazing and it's so creative and i feel every every person has potential to just reach into that creativity and and find something that they didn't know about themselves and i i have several players in my group who who are uh who i would describe as introverts generally speaking and their characters do not reflect that at all um they 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 talk freely they they are <laughs> they are little shits really they <laughs> they really come out of themselves and do whatever they want and that's just amazing to watch and i love that so much but I am interested in hearing what are some of the challenges to being a first-time DM. Oh, oof. Um, so, first of all, I think it's just a general panic of doing something wrong and messing up and making a fool of yourself because you really put yourself out there. You're... you're, you're basically unfolding your brain in front of the peop uh, people you're playing with and that is so scary and I, I feel like um, it's important to uh, step out of this fear uh, of, of making a fool of yourself because it's fine it's perfectly fine do that stupid voice do the give those people the weird names make this story as convoluted as you want it's okay because if you know your players and if you talk to them about what they want and about what you want it's okay um i, I think i think a lot of people are putting so so much pressure on themselves about being perfect and i'm speaking for myself here just it's this this fear about boring your players or, or making no sense but so far they've always found their own fun in whatever i put in front of them and um everybody is is able to think of a small adventure it's it doesn't need to be a, this monumental amazing thriller of a story it doesn't need to be crazy i mean just tell them tell them some cows got stolen and watch them stumble about for two hours it's okay it's perfectly fine and it's it's in the end if you manage to just have fun in that thing you created and watch your players it doesn't matter if you say something wrong or if you mess up some stats and some roles nobody knows nobody needs to know that you messed up it's all behind your screen it's all secrets and they will never never know <laughs> <laughs>
I think that's a really good point. I think we can get caught up in, oh, this world has to be perfect. I need to have this perfect, complete world. I need to have every NPC name available. I need to plan around every single option that my players could take. Yeah. Well, that's, that's impossible. It you is. You can't do that. It is impossible. You never know. They will pull something out of their hats and you will be there like, okay, I, I got nothing. <laughs> I don't know what you're doing right now. And that's the point where things... That, there's the magic at that point where you don't know what's happening anymore. That's it. <laughs> and I've had that happen to me already so many times, even though we've played like 12 or 13 sessions only and it's fine it's okay i've had no complaints so far and they're having a great time and that's all that matters really so do do your thing go for it do it that's all that's my one number one advice do it just do the thing <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that is advice that has come up several times on this podcast, be it, you know, cosplayers, uh, artists, people in the podcast industry, people in the gaming industry. A lot of times, you know, we ask about, you know, what are the challenges of X, Y, and Z? And a lot of times it's like, yeah, okay, starting maybe seem daunting, like if you're, if you're making art speaking from a standpoint of someone who like uh very recently has started drawing like in the past like a year or so hell yeah and (laughs) (laughs) you um you may feel like oh this this thing needs to be perfect before you put it out or or you don't want to start because you feel like you don't have talent like it took me ages to start this podcast and eventually what you come to is that you just have to start because you will never be as prepared as you want to be. You can't be. The way you learn is having the experience. Absolutely. 100% truth right there. In whatever you do, it's just, just start somewhere and then, then some things will happen and you will probably not be prepared and that's okay. Um, because when are we ever prepared, honestly? <laughs> like, we were all just running about every like, single day. So whatever, really. Just do the thing. <laughs> yeah, you can never know what's going to happen. You can never be prepared for it. And I feel like we're wandering into existentialist territory. So perhaps we should reel it back. <laughs> just it back a little bit. <laughs> It's okay. We can all use a little bit of existentialism in our day. Absolutely. <laughs> well, speaking about creating and starting and doing the thing, you mentioned your cosplays a little bit, and I've seen you do Caduceus. I've seen you do uh, Casual Caleb. You know, <laughs> I've seen you do a couple of cosplays, but I, I've learned through this interview that you've done them prior to, to Critical Role. When when did you discover that that was something? that you liked to do? Hmm, that was probably around the time where I started to go to my first conventions. I um, I always had like this interest in like alternative fashion and like just dressing up and makeup and stuff like that. Has It's always been very interesting. And I've had 
um, friends who slowly brought me into the cosplay thing because I watched them do it and realized, hey, that's that looks extremely cool and extremely fun. Maybe I should attempt to do the same thing. And I've never, I've never been much of a person when it comes to, uh, like, much of a skilled person when it comes to suing and stuff like that. So uh, I mostly started out with simple stuff and just, like, changing little things about normal clothing and getting into that very slowly. And at the time where I started out, um, the community here in Switzerland was so, so small. There were, like, two conventions uh just local and nothing else everything else is taking place in germany um that has changed over time by now we have we have more of a community and cosplay events going on but back then it it was all just very very small and it, it was still at the time where you were like oh, i don't know where to get a wig where do i order how do i get my hands on that stuff and it was all very very small and it started to to evolve very slowly and I've, I've never been much of like a, a big cosplayer I, I've been doing small small things most of the time um, or like original things or just more fashion based stuff I, I've done a few one piece cosplays in my time and oh boy, do I not want to look at those pictures. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think we all have those. Um, but um, <laughs> I've, still, I've still got fond memories of, of, that, of that time. And for me, the fascination of it was just, uh, again, like D&D, being someone else and just slipping into a role for just a short amount of time and now with uh critical role and adventure zone i've done cosplays for both and i found my love again for that part of community as well and it's it's just fun especially because um both of these communities encourage uh, original designs and original takes on characters, which I personally find amazing because there's absolutely no ground to invalidate anybody for however they interpret the character or how they look and what they do with it. And I find that amazing. Um, so I've had great fun with it and will probably continue to do so every now and then when I go to a convention that I'll whip up a character again. Uh, but it's definitely more of like a hobby, just a small fun thing I do for myself every now and then. Do you think that through this community, through finding folks, you know, through your art and through your through your cosplay and through just becoming involved in different communities that you've been in through your life, do you find that that helps you embrace who you are and kind of figure out who you are through the lens of community? Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I think so. Um, 
for instance, cosplay has uh, helped me a lot back in the day where I hadn't quite figured out that whole mess of gender business that that's going on. Um, that was way before my transition even. Um, and it helped me immensely because this community was very, very relaxed and re very open about people being uh very non-conforming to the standards if you want to call it that um people are very welcoming of of, of cross-dressing if you want to call it that or cross-play um mm. and that just was a, a very freeing experience of just being able to experiment with that without people looking at you weirdly and um that has definitely made a big, big impact on how I uh, came to terms with myself about being trans and going going down that road. And also now just seeing uh, that most of, of my community friends and stuff are uh, part of the LGBTQ community and so on. And... A lot of people are just very welcoming and very open and just it's it's an easier place to find just um, common minds and common spirits when it when it comes to that topic of, of self-expression and self-discovery and I found it very very helpful and even now all, all my closest friends are people I found through fandom and found through community um, and I, I wouldn't want to miss it for a single second in my life really I would be completely alone if it wasn't for this whole experience and for me personally it's all based on the internet as well because it's just Again, Switzerland is such a fucking small place, and we have like not a lot going on around here. So, uh, it was the world opening up in front of me when I found uh, this part of my life, and it means a lot to me, definitely. I think that with community, with fandoms, with the amount of emotion that comes with loving a thing. There are a lot of beautiful, wonderful aspects of that. I think, mm. you know, there's, there's fan art, there's podcasts, there's, there's, there's content creation. And then there's reaction to that thing. And that creates this beautiful soup of just like, Oh, you love that thing. I love that thing. That's wonderful. And I feel like people can really feel like, they're involved with the process these days. I think that folks can really feel like a part of what's being creative. Absolutely. While I think that it can be very good, and while I think that cultivating a community of uh, people that support you and people that are, are, are there for what you're making, I also think that there is there's the side of it that can be just just a little bit how do i say this just a little bit entitled oh where yeah. do you think the 
<laughs> what do you think the line is between being a, a fan of something and feeling like you're involved in the community and then becoming an entitled fan who feels like because they are supporting this community that they should have some sort of say in how things are done? Oof. <laughs> that is a very, very hard question, but very interesting. Um, again, I'm talking from a standpoint or viewpoint from critical role community right now which is actually i think a pretty good example um as you know the cast is very very involved they are very present in uh the activity of the community um which is amazing and beautiful i've never experienced something like that before and i've had the honor to interact with several people of the cast uh, already and that's fantastic but I think it is hard for certain people because they are so present that lines can be blurred and I for myself think that is entirely to blame on the community or at least the people inside the community that that uh, struggle with this entitlement and not the cast's problem because I personally think it's amazing what they do and how they handle everything and for them also it's interesting they've always said that it's their game it started out as their game in, in a living room somewhere in LA and it is still to this day their game and that is very, very um, apparent in many ways. And I'm, I'm impressed by that, that they are still able to hold up that value and that stance, even though the community is so massive by now. And I personally, it, it saddens me when I see people who demand certain things or get pushy or even aggressive with uh, cast members or other fans about certain things. Um, it's unneeded and it, for me personally has no place. Um, but there will always be people like that around, I feel like. That's that's just a thing fandom deals with, always. And I personally think it's just important to um, not give any room to people like that, to not give them enough or like enough attention to feed into that behavior and to not fall into that behavior yourself. Um, I always try to check myself when I interact with other people and interact with, with the cast online because it's, it's important to remember that they are only people. They are people like I am. They, they deserve their privacy. They deserve their free time. They are doing their best out there. And to, to pester them with certain stuff and, and, be unfriendly and, and rude to them if, if things happen that you don't like I feel that's just 
it's sad and it's very childish and I, I wish it wasn't the thing but it I know it will always be because people are just like that but um I for myself just make sure to a check myself and b uh really monitor um my own internet experience in my feed so if I stumble over people like that I make sure to avoid or mute them um to make fandom a, a better place for myself and that's my that's my own task to just make sure that I'm comfortable in in that space um but yeah like you said it's it's hard to avoid and it will probably always be a thing one of the one of the parts of creating something and being so involved in that is that you know it can be very easy to see what everyone says and to get that immediate feedback so i imagine putting all of the work that goes into creating something especially like a tv show uh or something that like critical role that is it's essentially a tv show you know they stream it yeah live uh live on twitch and then it's you know put elsewhere but but to get that immediate feedback and then to have people be like well you're not doing this the way that i like it and because i interact with this every every day or every time that it comes out because it is quite a big interaction just specifically looking at critical role mm, absolutely it's, it can be four hours long yeah which is one session which is not you know i feel like a four-hour D session is not crazy Mm-mm. but it's a big chunk of time to be invested in something and so i feel like folks who are like, I'm putting all this time and effort into this thing, and if I don't like it, I need to voice that to the people who are creating it because it needs to be catered to my needs. Yeah. And unfortunately, um, you know, that's... How do I say this? Your needs don't need to be catered to. They No yeah. one owes you anything, Absolutely. you know? So... So while I can empathize with the thought process of just being like, oh man, I've put so much time and effort into into being a part of this and a little bit of me feels like the creators are not, don't have my best interests in mind. You have to think that, you know, this is a thing that they're making. It's their byproduct. It's their, it's their baby. It is. And so to come in and be like, you're not raising your kid right. You need to do it the way that I say. Oh, God. It's <laughs> a bit much. And so I think I always have these thoughts on entitled fandom. And so I'm not going to take over our interview with that. But I, I think that I think that you've expressed some valid points here. Yeah, no, and I, 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 get, I get that it's like uh, a big thing to think about. And especially... Like I said, this this format is very unique. It's not something that is pre-written or or um, done like uh, like you said. It's a TV show, yes, but it is created in such a, a weird and unique way. And so, whenever people have issues with oh, this isn't how I wanted it to be, or this isn't how I how it should be, 
it's so strange to me because when a TV show is is written, then you might say, yeah, this this and that or this and that choice or that character acted weird or this was strange, um, and that's a fair point. But in a show like Critical Role, every character choice is was one hundred percent like it should be because every single character is played by a fully fleshed out human being um and that makes it just so so unique in a way and i i get it with D, there's a lot of people play D and know a lot about D, so uh of course they have opinions and uh, every single episode there is definitely people screaming and complaining about i would have done it this way or that's, that was the wrong spell, or this was the wrong role, and I, I generally don't understand that behavior, because it's just, where's the fun in it? Where's the fun in being so immensely critical and harsh on something you love? And I understand that we need to be critical with the media we consume, but being critical isn't centered on critiquing something it, so i don't i understand where they're coming from but i don't understand this culture of being entitled and yelling about things i've i've never had any patience for that sort of behavior to be honest but jonah it's right in the name it's called critical role <laughs> we gotta be critical of that role it's right there oh <laughs> i yeah that was bad that was bad of me um well i think that something good that has come out of this fandom in particular has been that i've been introduced to your art you have this beautiful painterly style that is very lovely to look at is this the part of the podcast where you embarrass your guest because you're embarrassing your guest right now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is the part of the podcast where I just shower you in compliments oh, God. and you just have to sit there and awkwardly accept it. I'm sorry it happens. <laughs> oh my God. I was not briefed on this. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is the part of the podcast where I ask you art questions. Hell Yeah. Now I need to put in like a little bumper, like a boo 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 art questions. <laughs> art questions. Now it's time to get technical. Uh, <laughs> so you have this beautiful painterly style, and you know I have seen a lot of growth for you in the past year. I'm curious about your art influences. Not so much the the topic of your art. When I say art influences, like clearly Critical Role is a big inspiration mm -hmm. for you at the moment but I mean when you were while you're learning art and learning how to produce this painterly style who were your art influences Oof, this is always always the hardest question for me um I am not much of a idol person like I I pull my inspiration and 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 inputs from many, many sources. And I personally have found uh, most of my input through other online and digital artists. And uh, because I personally always found that it's a more 
realistic goal for me personally to be like, oh, okay, this person is uh, similar uh, in in their progress and similar uh, in like maybe around the same age as me, and they do this fantastic thing. So maybe I can get there with some time and effort. And um, I've always held on to that. Uh, if you're asking for specific names, I will 100% struggle <laughs> to name them, which is horrible of me. I know right now that I did this um, art challenge thing where I gathered my influences, and the only one that comes to mind, no, two that come to mind right now are uh, Mike Minola and Katsuya Terada. Uh, oh, Brom also. Um, mm. Two of those have a very painterly style, um, similar to what I'm attempting right now, just way better. <laughs> um, they, I've, I've always been fascinated with just the focus on shape and color. I, I have never had the patience for clean outlines like some artists do it or a lot of, of manga is, is based on this very um, neat inking style and I just couldn't bring myself to do it. I tried it for a few years to, to get there and I, it would just frustrate me endlessly. So I slowly slipped down into this kind of more painterly approach and uh, it stuck with me and um, now I'm just trying trying to polish it and just go go beyond my own horizon with every new piece I'm doing and uh, I'll, I'll definitely have to try and push myself to try out different things in the next year it's it's one of my goals personally to like maybe try out some some different image language um, but this is what I do right now and I feel comfortable with it and I feel that I can do good work in that style and yeah it feels feels natural and nice to me so I'll stick with it a little longer <laughs> you just mentioned goals that you have for yourself improvements that you've made um are there any areas of growth that you would like to see in your own art oh definitely so many oh man um okay I'm, I'm trying to limit myself so at the moment i'm trying to put more attention on my values so um not just slap color all over because as you as you've seen my art is very colorful i'm i'm very into using all of the colors ever in my work and i'm trying at the moment to reel it in a little and focus more on just contrast shape and the depth of my work without uh looking too much into the color um that is very, very technical <laughs> and very hard. Um, so it's a slow going process. Uh, another thing that I really want to attempt is uh, I like uh, 
doing character designs um it's it's like one of my favorite things ever but uh i've got this i don't even know what to call it I, maybe semi-realistic not well not even semi i guess but this kind of like just realistic take on um proportions and facial features and, and all of that um i found that i really really want to try and start experiencing with uh experimenting that's the word i'm looking for um with uh more stylized uh shapes more stylized bodies and, and maybe some faces um just to push the silhouettes and just push the message of the character design a little further and i don't know if it's that if that's something that will stick with me or if that's something i'm gonna go after for a long time but i want to try it out because it seems amazing and i'm really impressed by people who can do it um and maybe also completely uh, line art free painting because that is witchcraft and i don't know what's up with it <laughs> and i really really want to try it um but yeah you, those are just three things that come to mind right now there's probably 336 more somewhere in my brain because i'm always planning i'm always projecting and i'm always doing things i'm always planning on more to do can't stop one stop it's, it's probably bad but <laughs> that's how how my brain works speaking of moving forward and art goals and improvement I think that's always the goal, right? Yeah. You, you don't want to become stagnant. You always want to keep moving forward. Absolutely. When you started getting a response, a follower response, when you started seeing those numbers on your Twitter going up, <laughs> when, when that happened, was there, was there a moment of just like, oh, I'm, I'm doing okay. People like what I'm doing. Or was it a moment of, Oh god! Oh god! Oh god! Oh god! Oh god! Oh, it it definitely it definitely was a mixture of both. Uh, I remember at the start of the year was that period when I felt very very bad about what I was doing and about the responses I got, and it just felt very dissonant and very strange to me, and it was not good at that time, and. It was around that time when I told myself uh, that just because I didn't have any clear goal or any anywhere where I wanted to move, um, I told myself, okay, so I'm going to work hard and I want to make it to 10,000 followers till the end of the year. This number doesn't mean anything, but I will try to reach it just because I have nothing else that I can go towards at the moment so that was just this very personal goal that i had in mind i didn't share that with anyone so yay it's out there now <laughs> um and i i started to work towards that in a way but not really and along the way i feel it got easier um i started 
stressing less about the responses about I was getting. I started to feel better about what I was putting out there. And uh, with Critical Role, I, I feel very much that I, I reached some sort of balance between what I feel I'm doing and what response I'm getting to what I'm doing. So um, I'm incredibly grateful and incredibly lucky to be in this position. Um, and it's it's not even like I don't care about the number really or what it means, but uh, it's just because the interaction with other people has increased as well. Um, that's the thing I'm actually uh, enjoying. And that's the value behind what I'm doing. Like, it doesn't matter how many likes you get uh, when people comment or people reach out to me. That's the actual thing that I really, really enjoy. Um, because that's real. And that's not a number. That's real human impact. And therefore, that's that was my kind of goal. And right now, I, I, <laughs> since I reached my 10k and went over it, I'm kind of feel like a headless chicken at the moment. <laughs> I, uh, I don't know what's next. I don't know what I want to do now because I feel very happy and very comfortable at the moment. And I hope it will stay that way. I, I want to maintain that balance and maintain that personal happiness because it's been many, very beneficial for myself. And uh, for now, I, I don't know what's next or what I'm doing, but I know for sure that Critical Role has brought along uh, a lot of opportunities. I, I've been included in, in many beautiful things. Um, and it, it has meant the world to me, and still does. It keeps being very surreal. I keep feeling like, oh, I'm going to wake up, and that's going to be gone. and It's going to be all a dream, because that's definitely so strange, everything. It's, uh, I struggle with that quite often, <laughs> that I still don't believe it. Yeah. It sounds like ultimately it comes back to community for you absolutely yeah it's 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 more meaningful than any any other kind of thing that's out there like i mean it, it's cool that i have these 10k followers which is bananas by the way that's a number i don't even if i start to try to imagine it it's like it, no, mm -mm. <laughs> too scary. Um, but it, I'm happy because a lot of people talk to me, and a lot of people talk to me about things that that I like, and, and it's. I mean, that's natural. I think that's just a human thing. We we like when when people interact with us. We like to be social. We like we like to have. Um, answers or response to what we're doing and that's okay and normal I think so um, I found that makes me very happy and therefore uh, I want to want to keep at it and just keep doing what I like and people like what I do so that's that's a perfect kind of matchup I guess 
and um, I, I'm good with that. So we're on the topic of art, and you know you've mentioned that you know growing your audience has been more of a a community experience for you. Now you get to talk to all these people who enjoy the things you do, and and you get to share that that love, joy, and passion. Um, one thing that I've noticed because community is great. It's fantastic. It's this beautiful experience with people who do fan art. I have noticed there is sometimes this concern over is my audience still going to enjoy my content when I don't make fan art? Is that something that you've experienced? That's uh that's a very real thing, yeah. I, I I think that worries a lot of artists, and um, for me personally, uh, I I I understand that. I understand that. I I think I can. <laughs> I'm in this weird, in between gray zone because I make fan art, but um, I use all my own designs. Um, I like for for the critical role fan art that I do. I have come up with my own character designs for all of them. So in some shape or form, it's at least somewhat original. But um, the thing is, it's hard to gain a following with your own original art alone. Um, especially these days where, like you said, the, the market, if you want to call it that, or just the general community and everything is very saturated because everybody, everybody is so creative. I mean, there's a lot of people out there who do fantastic stuff and everybody has the chance to put themselves out there. And there's just this phenomenon of... Uh, people slipping between the cracks when they are not doing things that are quote-unquote popular. At daily on Twitter, I find amazing artists that have insultingly low follower numbers, even though their, their art and their skill is clearly worth so, 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 so much more attention. But um, it's just hard to stick out or to be found if you're not doing fan art or if you're doing original things, you have to be doing something very crazy, something very niche, something that garners attention otherwise. And so therefore I found that it's easier to start out as a fan artist and then also mix in your own original stuff because people already like what you do. And I found, for me, people react very positively um, to my original things as well, which I'm very, very grateful for. It makes me super happy. Um, but I don't know where I would be if it weren't for Critical Role and the fan art I did and the amazing, amazing interaction that the show offers to their artists. I mean, their their um, stream has art on it every week. They give away weekly um, prizes of, uh, in their contests. They have their fan art gallery. So they do a lot for the creators out there. But it, it's hard. It's definitely hard if you're not 
doing the popular thing, if you want to say so. And I think personally that's sad. And uh, I, I try my best to keep my eyes open and look around for for other artists who do things uh, that is well purely their own creation. And luckily, the D and D community is quite open for uh, original fantasy based art. Um, so that's that's very cool. But you definitely have a point about it being being hard out there. That's for sure. I think that, you know, we can feel incentivized to not move outside of fan art because of the response that we're getting from it. But I think, you know, just taking that step to put your own original concepts out there still and see how it goes. I think you'll find that most people, once they've come, they've come because they've seen the fan art and they like it, but they still like you and your style. Yeah. And I feel like that's important. Yeah, I I had, uh, I mean, I started posting on Twitter during uh, Adventure Zone times and then uh, Adventure Zone is still running. Uh, they're, they're doing different arcs now with different characters and different stories. And I, I kind of fallen out of it a little bit but I haven't lost these followers at all and um, sometimes um, like like the D&D comic or another comic before uh, caused a, a huge increase in followers out of nowhere and that was bound to quite some stress because I wasn't sure if they would stick around and there's there's few things as discouraging as losing a lot of followers uh, and at once. Um, that can be super, super painful for any any online creator. It's worst for self-esteem. Um, but I've been lucky and, and had them stick around for whatever clownery I'm, I'm attempting next. So um, uh, I feel... I feel happy and confident that I can post uh, whatever I'm creating and then people are going to be open for it. And that's uh, definitely a very privileged and wonderful position to be in. And I'm grateful um, to have that. So uh, whenever I'm doing something for myself and drawing stuff from my campaign or original characters, I, I never feel feel uh, bad or worried when posting um yeah i i hope people can can do that for themselves do their own thing i think that the community will will come together behind you regardless you know if they like your style regardless of if you're posting fan art or if you're posting original content i think that what they're there for is you yeah. And how do you feel having cultivated this group of people that all love the same thing that you do? <laughs> what is that? That Do you feel any sort of responsibility to those people? I, I definitely do. Yeah. I, I mean, it's responsibility in, in a positive way, though. I don't feel pressured. Um, I was initially worried uh, when the follower count started rising, that I would feel 
anxious about posting, anxious about what I'm doing, anxious about uh, alienating my 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 community and my followers for for doing a th certain thing. But um, I found uh, that it's that it's just uh, a very rewarding thing to have. I uh, and even. So I, I feel responsible, definitely. I'm one of those people who uh, is very, very unkind to himself when, when I uh, don't produce um, art in a long time. <laughs> I'm one of those, those people. Um, but mostly it's, it's just a very great experience and it's just uh, a, a good feeling and a good thing to focus on. Um, Next to the other things I'm doing, uh, I'm uh, in a full-time education at the moment. I, I work the whole day, and next to that, it's just a great feeling to have this community at the tips of my fingers that I can talk to and interact with and have responses from, and uh, I guess in a, in a way... Um, it makes up for uh, just my my kind of private attitude in, in my uh, life otherwise to have this thing where I can share share what I do and share what I love and also just share random thoughts at 4 a.m. and it's still fine so yeah it's, it's something incredibly magical and re rewarding to have and I'm very happy about it. I would like to know what community means to you specifically. What is your idea of community and how does it impact you? My idea of community has in, been intensely shaped by just this feeling of, of belonging and caring about people who you don't even know maybe sometimes there's there's perfect strangers among all those other fans and, and people and it's still this this kind of like connection and for me like like I mentioned earlier it's been extremely uh, changed by this experience at MCM London, where so many people I've, I've never spoken to before. Uh, I had no idea who they were, and they approached me like friends, and it felt like I knew them, and it felt like just, just this belonging and happiness, and that was and is still very, very new to me. And... Um, I'm, I'm starting to try and settle into it and get used to it very slowly. Um, but it's, it's fantastic and I'm, I'm grateful to have it and I am glad it's around. Uh, I feel a lot of people profit from it a lot, as I do. And, um, yeah, it's, I, again, at, at times just, overwhelming to think about 
just the sheer number of people who share share this one thing and it's it takes up so much time of my day and so much room in my life and to to imagine that it wouldn't be there would be so weird and alien like if i think back to last year before critical role and before all this what on earth was i doing <laughs> like what it's it's yeah it's changed me in a way and uh I wouldn't wouldn't want to miss it at all. Well, thank you, Jonas, so much for for coming on and sharing those beautiful thoughts. I think that I think that folks who are really into whatever they're into, be it critical role, D and D, games, books, music. I think anyone that has been involved in a community is really going to resonate with what you said here. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's, it's it's great. It's an emotional topic. It's it speaks to many people, and uh, it's been good to think about and reminisce about it for a little while. Um, it's it's been great to talk about it. Oh, I'm glad. Can you let the listeners at home know where they can find you? Yeah, sure. Um, like. We said on my massively popular <laughs> Twitter, um, that would be Galactic Jonah almost everywhere on Twitter. On Well, Tumblr is sinking at the moment, but hey, <laughs> I'm still there at Galactic Jonah <laughs> D&D. And um, yeah, I think that's the best places to catch me to, to see what I'm doing most of the time. Oh my goodness! Is it, it? We didn't even touch on Tumblr and the massive dumpster fire that's become. <laughs> oh, we have to do that another time. Boy, oh boy, oh boy! Yeah, that's uh, an entire thing for itself. Okay, okay, okay. We've got to go talk about this off air. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. We will see you later. Thank you. Bye. Bye. That was my interview with Galactic Jonah. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I really liked hearing him talk about cosplay, helping him through his transition, and the Critical Role fan community, helping him kind of discover who he was and the things that he enjoyed. I could really resonate with that because I know that the podcasting community and the Blizzard community have helped me really find what I enjoy and help me blossom into the person I am today. If you've enjoyed this episode and would like to help support me, you can head over to iTunes and leave me a review that helps boost my visibility and make sure I can book some more guests so I can keep bringing you wonderful episodes. And if you'd like to say anything to me over on Twitter, we are at General Chat Pod. All right, until the next one.